Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Hailing from a town two hours outside of Istanbul, Turkey, to studying in the rice fields of Japan, Serkan Tosso's entrepreneurial journey has seen him explore the world. However, as one of the co-founders of BuyFood, a platform for tourists to discover Japan's best cuisine, it hasn't always been smooth sailing. In today's episode, Serkan shares how he began a business in a foreign country, why he took a different path from his family, and his networking advice for other migrant entrepreneurs out there. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project, so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, now over to Circuit. Circuit, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing as a social entrepreneur, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. (laughs) Thank you. Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am Sarkan. Uh, I am originally from Turkey, but uh, currently living in Japan. Um, I came here uh, five and a half years ago to study my master's degree. And then I studied here, started working. And at the end, I started my own business. Currently, I am uh, working on a business called BuyFood, buyfood.com. It is a platform for uh, food experiences and restaurant reservations for uh, travelers visiting Japan. So cool, Sir Ken. I've never been to Japan, but I've heard it's phenomenal. And it's funny how you went there and just never left, you know. So I can't wait to dive deeper into your business and your time in Japan. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, 
What was it like growing up in Istanbul? What was that time like for you? And how did it impact the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Um, I was born in Bursa. It is a city two hours away from uh, Istanbul. Uh, it is the fourth largest uh, city of Turkey. Uh, it was the like first uh, capital of Ottoman Empire. It's like lots of history. Um, and it is also at the same time industrial city, lots of uh, manufacturing companies, especially car manufacturing. So I was born in Bursa and I was the youngest uh, child uh, of eight siblings. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and my older brother is 10 years older than me. So apparently they didn't expect me at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and most of my actually siblings didn't really study in the college. Um, so most of them work in uh, manufacturing companies and they expected me to do the same, I guess. So they really pushed me to go to vocational high school. So um, although my grade, grades were good, I studied in this vocational high school. But actually, um, I really, really wanted to study. So uh, I worked hard. In Turkey, we have university entrance exam. Every year, 2 million people join this exam. And um, uh, with the help of my teachers and uh, hard work, uh, I achieved about 2,500 among 2 million people. Wow. And I was able to enter one of the most prestigious universities in Turkey. That actually changed my life. So uh, otherwise, I could be working in a factory, I guess. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Can you talk to us a little bit about why you think your mentality was so different? You know, as you said, your whole family was like, you know, why would you go to university? Just follow with your brothers and sisters and just like everyone else, you know, why do you think your mentality was different from the others? Um, I was more individual and um, like they left me a little bit alone, I think, compared to others. So um, I was able to uh, pursue what I, wa I wanted to do. Although uh, I went to uh, this vocational high school, uh, they, they were thinking like... Um, like this entrance exam is really difficult. You will not uh, achieve it anyway. So study in the vocational high school. But um, I, I I was really studying and uh, my grades were really good. I don't know, uh, like, uh, like, you know, the 100 is the highest and my grades are usually more than 90 all the time. And I finished my primary school, high school as the uh, top student of my class. Um, so I think it was... Of course, my family also supported me, but uh, my teachers in the school uh, were the one really pushing me. I I feel like they saw the potential and they uh, they pushed me a little bit and uh, I was able to do it. And I am really thankful to them that uh, in high school, uh, two times they took me to a trip to this uh, university that I entered uh, to like uh, inspire me. Like uh, they we went to Istanbul, we saw this university. It was amazing, very beautiful. And then that time I said, I will study in this school then um luckily i achieved that so so amazing circuit so i think the university was called bogaziki university in Istanbul. 
you know, you went to study that and then you went on to study at the University of Western Australia? No, no, no. I studied no. at Wolzi uh, University and during my studies, <laughs> I also right. did exchange in Germany, in Hannover. That's and uh, after I finished this school, I worked one year in a telecommunication company in Turkey. Then I came to Japan to study my master's degree in e-business management. Mm, so interesting. So it seems to me like you couldn't get enough. You know, as soon as you got into Bogaziki, you were like, oh my goodness, I have to just, this is so amazing. You know, what was your time at Bogaziki like? And, you know, and then that stint that you did in Germany, you know, what was that time like for you? And I guess, what did it teach you about yourself and the world around you? It was so busy. I think I wanted to do many things at the same time. So um, first of all, the school was only in, in English language. So first year I studied in the preparation school to learn English. Uh, and then uh, I was playing badminton since I was nine years old. Uh, so I entered the university badminton team and eventually I became the captain of my university. So I had a school university i was working at ibm as a part-time uh, person and then plus i was also vice president of one youth organization so all of these things i was doing at the same time uh, it was quite busy i we were going to like european projects di- visiting different countries um like uh, it was quite the experience and i that time i think i learned how to be multitasking. So I was managing many things at the same time. And uh, today in my job, I manage many things at the same time. Uh, I think this ability came from my time at university. Mm. It's so, so true. You know, as an entrepreneur, our day-to-day is just like 10 different hats, you know, 10 different projects, trying to manage it all. You know, where did the desire to move to Japan to do your master's there come from? You know, it makes a lot of sense that you studied in Germany because obviously you're in Turkey, it's all in Europe, you know, why come to Asia? Yes, (laughs) that uh, question I also ask myself, Uh, but... (laughs) But uh, I was working in this telecommunication company in the digital marketing department. Uh, I started working there at, uh, in the last year of my school. One year I worked part-time and then one year I worked full-time. And digital marketing uh, area was so interesting and the things you can do were limitless. I really liked the area. And then I decided to uh, do a master's degree in this area specifically. I looked for schools uh, from different countries and I came uh, across uh, this university in Japan called International University of Japan uh, that I can study e-business management, uh, like focusing on uh, internet companies management. I found it very interesting. Uh, and then I studied, started uh, applying this school and uh, I got half scholarship. Actually, my scholarship is also another story. So uh, I didn't have enough money to pay the other half the tuition fee. Uh, I applied for organizations in Turkey. One actually, uh, I passed many steps. One gave me a scholarship. I was very happy. But at the end, that scholarship is only $1,000. Like I, oh. I cannot do anything with that. 
Um, but that organization had one press conference and they invited many people and uh, they are announcing that these people were supporting and they will study abroad. But actually that time I went there, but I wasn't able to go to abroad because I don't have enough money. But uh, there was one speaker who is the owner of one of the biggest companies in Turkey. So I went to this guy and directly I talked like, this is my situation. I am here, but I cannot actually go. Then this guy was so nice. He gave me his email and he said, like, give me uh, your email and let's see what we can do. Uh, I sent him email and then the next day he sent me the tuition fee to my bank account. <gasps> wow. Oh my goodness. How can we get better at creating opportunities for ourselves when we feel like it's a dead end, just like with you in the scholarship? I want to go and do my master's in Japan. I don't have enough money. And then, oh my goodness, you created an insane opportunity for yourself. How can we get better at doing this? If I think about in my case, um, I actually um, didn't really give up. So uh, in in the company, um, I contacted so many people. I sent email to everyone. Uh, like uh, I find some uh, business people, uh, managers. I contact them. I have meeting them. And if, if all of them reject me, maybe a hundred times they rejected me. But I really, I really want to uh, go to abroad. And uh, finally, maybe after hundred people, one person accept you. So uh, you never give up and uh, just try uh, pursuing what you want to do. So, so true. So then you get to Japan, you know, you're starting your master's of ABIS management Talk to us a little bit about how being in a new country, Asia, what that was like for you. And I guess, did you learn Japanese? Was that required? Like, how did you get by? So the school that I studied was in the middle of rice fields in like a, in a really rural area. Uh, so imagine like they put about 400 foreigners from 55 countries in the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> it was like, of course, we were in Japan, but the education language was in English. But uh, the school was like a international school. And uh, I every day I learned about new culture, new country. It was really, really great experience. And since there is nothing to do in the evenings, people get... Uh, to know each other, have parties. It was quite fun. But um, when you go outside, um, <laughs> you cannot read anything. You don't know what is going on. It was quite uh, another world. And uh, it was really, really difficult. So with the help of our Japanese friends, we were able to uh, survive. We also had some beginner Japanese classes, so we were able to communicate, but that's it. So, uh, for example, if you want to stay, stay in Japan and if you don't speak Japanese, quite, quite difficult to find a job here. I can only imagine. How did you navigate that time? You know, you said you had some Japanese friends, they helped you, but this isn't just like, you know, a language that you can kind of pick up like there's symbols like you there's like there's not even close to english or you know a european language 
how did you navigate through that time? And was there ever a point where you just thought, oh my goodness, I can't do this. I need to go home. Yes, of course. Uh, that <laughs> happens a lot if you come here without any Japanese knowledge. Um, here, Japan looks from outside very technological, great, but actually when you come here, you see it's not like that. They really like their paperworks. Everything is very manual process. And when you start getting documents from government that you have to fill in Japanese, that time you really say that, like, I can't do this. Like, uh, that is really challenging. Uh, still, even today, although I speak mm-hmm. some Japanese, still in some cases, I always depend on other people. That is really frustrating. Um, so until you really become native speaker, you always have a problem here. How do you get through the tough times? Yeah, I think um, having uh, good friends really help. I, mm. so, uh, I really have a few, but really good uh, Japanese friends. Um, so anytime I have a problem, I can talk to them. So they are really helpful. But if you are alone, quite difficult. Uh, even it is difficult for Japanese people to live in Japan. <laughs> wow. How can we make the right friends and build a really great network that is not just looks good on the outside, but is actually like a really genuine kind of network? Yeah, it is challenging in Japan. So um, making a friend, like if I didn't study in the university here, uh, I am not sure if I can make those good friends um, because um, when I worked in, in a company in Tokyo after graduation, um, the life was so different. So in Turkey, for example, when we work, we become close friends after work, we hang out, like it's really nice. But here, like work finish, no one knows each other and then they don't talk to each other and uh, it was quite uh, difficult. So they set a barrier and uh, you can't really cross that. And I wasn't able to make any good friends that time and it was really tough. Uh, so if I didn't have my friends from uh, school, I think it could be really difficult for me. Fascinating. Amazing. So I want to talk a bit about the idea to stay in Japan and actually start your business. So, you know, I think it was in 2017 when you were still working, as you said, in Tokyo, that you co-founded the first version of You Foods, which at the time I think was called Tokyo by Food. You know, can you talk to us a little bit about this idea to start a business when you were already dealing with new language, new culture, you know, everything, you know, where did this idea for you foods come from? Um, first of all, I always wanted to start my own business. Um, um, I joined uh, one um, event called One Young World. Um, it is one of the biggest youth uh, event uh, in the world. Um, it was in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, so young people come together and talk about uh, social issues. And when I was there, I was really inspired from other young people doing great things for their society. And that time I said, 
I, in the future, I will start my own business and I will contribute to society. So it was always in my mind. And when I was uh, working in, in a company, it was e-commerce company in Tokyo. Um, that time, um, I didn't really enjoy my job, to be honest, because, um, uh, again, like I don't want to always talk about the uh, Japanese culture, but um, the at least my company wasn't really uh, rewarding uh, people with new ideas, talking a lot. So they, um, when you um, uh, follow the general manager, they are happy. But if you are always like against that um, and share your ideas, this is not really welcoming. So um, whenever you have new idea, the answer is always um good idea in the future uh, it is difficult right now something like that so then i it even uh, pushed me to start my own business and uh, and then then i was like researching ideas and i came across with uh, news that 70 percentage of travelers coming to japan uh, come with the main motivation of eating japanese food this is really high percentage, 70 percentage. I was like, wow, like, uh, then I check what are the options they have in Japan. They didn't really have really one platform focusing on this area. Um, so I started my own company by myself. Uh, it's called Tokyo by Food. It was a WordPress website, very simple. So, but uh, I was gathering different food experiences in one place taking place in Tokyo. And so I did this little while when I was working in that company. And finally, in 2018, I decided to uh, only focus on this and just quit my job and started uh, this business. So scary when you make the decision to quit the job. Can you talk to us a little bit about your mindset during that time? I mean, if we think about just like, how am I going to eat? live, you know, without a job. Could you talk to us a little bit about what your thought process was when you decided to take the leap? Yeah, that time was really challenging. So uh, mm. I had only about uh, $5,000 to survive. <laughs> I, it was really, really challenging. Uh, so in the beginning, um, I tried to do it by myself. Uh, but of course, in the beginning, you are not making lots of money to survive. Um, I started actually doing some part-time jobs plus my own business. So uh, I found one remote project management job that uh, like they, it, they were gathering data about a car repairing shop all around the world they have lots of operational stuff and they need one person to manage these people so uh, i got this job like daily i was working five hours for that and plus uh, i also got another job uh, helping one e-commerce company to build their websites so uh, i so i do these two jobs plus in the uh, free time i was doing my own company uh, so i survived like this about uh, eight months uh, it was quite quite challenging um, because every time when you think about financial problems it's difficult to focus on your uh, job like the entrepreneurship so um, 
it was quite challenging, but at the same time, I was able to grow the uh, platform that time. Like I reached to 100 experiences. I started getting some bookings. So uh, I started creating some tractions. So um, luckily, uh, I approached to one website. It's called My Eyes Tokyo. It is a website interviewing foreigners living in uh, Tokyo. So I told them like, please interview me. Like I want to promote my business. And, and that person was so nice. He accepted, we had interview. And then at the end he said, um, oh, I know one person really similar to your business. I can introduce you. So uh, that time uh, in my platform, I was donating 10 school lunch meals to children in Cambodia for every booking I received. And then the other person, Japanese person, had a uh, restaurant reservation application. If one person reserve a restaurant, she donates one meal to children in Cambodia. So like we work for the same purpose and we are both doing the food business. Uh, we met and it was quite positive meeting. Uh, and then actually uh, a few months later, she offered me to merge our companies. Uh, so that time we merge and then we started the actual buyfood.com together with her it's so fascinating how things happen i want to dive deeper into the tough time you know i think so many of us see the glossy startup cool sexy you know whatever on instagram and really it's very tough in the beginning can you talk to us a little bit about how you pushed through the really tough time when you had two jobs or, you know, two side hustle jobs and then your business. And it was gaining maybe not much traction at the beginning. No one was booking. How do you keep going? Can you talk to us a little bit about the struggle there? Yes. Um, so first struggle that I had actually was, um, again, uh, related to financial, uh, creating a company in Japan. So if you're a foreigner here, you need uh, $50,000 uh, to start your company. Otherwise, you cannot get a visa. So uh, my first struggle was how I, I start this company officially. Then um, I checked my network. I saw people doing their businesses. Uh, and I saw one Turkish person, I contacted him. We are from the same university, Boğaziçi University. And uh, I told him like, I have this idea, but um, I cannot start my own business. Can I put my company under your company? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I think um, like finding those people who can help you uh, is really important. So he accepted that so I can make my company uh, like official and legal. Um, but um, I had struggle also about convincing people to join my platform to sell their experiences. I am a foreigner trying to uh, create this platform in Japan. And in Japan, trust really, really important. And uh, if you are not a Japanese person, you are not really a trustable person. So I had lots of struggles to convince them to work with me. Uh, in the beginning, actually, uh, a few people uh, joined. Uh, most of the people joined to my platform were foreigners doing travel business uh, 
in Japan. Um, but um, after a while, uh, when I started getting some traction, um, slowly they also started uh, joining. And in a startup, uh, there are lots of tasks you have to do, but uh, you are only one person. You cannot hire, pay anyone to do jobs. Uh, that time, um, I uh, uh, I like I achieved it with uh, the help of interns. So um, <laughs> I realized that there are many foreigners who want to come to Japan and uh, have an internship. Uh, like. Uh, it's quite difficult for foreigners to find an internship in Japan because if they don't speak Japanese again, they cannot find it. So uh, I used this as an opportunity and uh, about four interns joined my company. And <laughs> yeah, they really helped me in the beginning. So it was, I am really uh, thankful to them. So um, yeah, like... Um, Finding those small opportunities, uh, people who can support you, who can help you, is really helpful uh, to survive this struggling time. Uh, and uh, like, you don't really have a luxury life. Um, your life standards are quite low in the beginning. But uh, if you can um, survive, uh, you work maybe long hours until midnight, but uh, good things happen eventually. Mm. Good things happen. At what point, Serkin, did you feel like, oh, finally it's starting to work out? I feel like maybe the struggle, maybe it's not all over, but like a little bit I feel like I can see the light. At what point did that happen for you and what was that feeling like? I mean until actually I merged my company, it was always mm. a struggle. So, uh, but after we merged, it was quite good because um, the company that I merged with had already uh, investment about $2 million. So I was able to get budget for my own project and manage my own project with that budget. So after merging, things get uh, better. So uh, I had budget, I can hire people, I can create the platform. Um, but until that time, the light was not really visible. <laughs> so just so I've got this straight, it was 2017 you started, 2018 you merged. So about 18 months or 12 months of you just trying to figure it out? Actually, I started my business um about beginning of uh, 2018, officially. Okay. And then uh, we merged 2018 November. So I can say 10 mm, months. 10 months. Oh, my goodness. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it takes to merge a business? You know, I think there's a lot of perhaps skepticism around that. You know, is this the right fit? Is it going to work? What was that process like? And I guess, what were some of your biggest learnings from that process? In the beginning, it was very difficult because that mm -hmm. company have their own uh, processes, own, own ways uh, to do things. And uh, I just entered their company with a new business and 
first of all, getting support of those people in the company is quite difficult. And so with this merger, we wanted to make the company a global company, like focusing on the global market. Uh, but the already people already working there uh, mainly has a focus on the domestic market and they didn't speak English. That is the mm-hmm. biggest problem I had. So uh, the, I cannot really communicate with them and they don't really understand what I am trying to do here. Uh, it was uh, quite a challenging time. and uh, But eventually, uh, as the um, as my company started getting better, um, to be honest, those people didn't really want to focus on the global market. Uh, eventually, they some of them left the company. So mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, then we needed to hire new people, but uh, hiring people is, I think, the most difficult part of entrepreneurship. Uh, I always fail in that part, I guess. So um, that hiring process, like I, overall, I think team building uh, part uh, and convincing people and making those people believe in your uh, project is really, really challenging. And sometimes it doesn't work. What I love about you, Serkan, and what I'm gathering from you is that you always, whenever it gets challenging, you just keep going. You know, there have been so many points of your journey where you could easily have gone, you know what, this is a bit tough. I'm just going to not do that. Or, you know, whether it was the move to Japan at school, whether it was starting the business, whether it was the merging of it, it always seems like you pushed through. What are some tips and perhaps strategies that you can give us when it comes to getting better at pushing through the tough times it is difficult to give advice i even don't know how i am doing it so uh <laughs> i i i have uh this um uh, like challenging uh separate that um i usually don't give up um in my uh life always i had a target in my like um so I, I will do this. I will achieve this. And uh, living with that dream, with that target, always helped me to uh, get through th- those difficult times. So, um, like, for example, basic things, like in the beginning, I, my target was to enter the university. The next target was to um, study abroad. The next target, start your own company. Maybe next target, uh, do IPO, something like that. But every time when you have a target somewhere to go, um, and if you believe in it, um, no matter what, how difficult it is, um, you somehow achieve it if you really uh, do hard work. And of course, if you have uh, people around you to support you. I couldn't agree more. A clear vision and target and good people. I love it. Circa, this has been so, so interesting. I've got a couple of kind of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure to date? Um, 
as I mentioned before, I think uh, in uh, HR part, uh, hiring part, uh, I had lots of struggles and uh, failures. So um, uh, not only one with a few people. Uh, so I like, first of all, hiring a people takes a long time, many months. And then when you believe in that person, you hire that person, but after a few months, you realize that you are not really uh, matching. Uh, it's not a good match. Like, uh, I like to give people a chance. Um, for example, uh, one of the first hires I made was one um, Italian person speaks really nice Japanese. Uh, the position was related to sales. She didn't do much uh, sales position, but uh, she had that passion and uh, I believed in her and I, I, I hired her. Um, but at the end, um, I, like it was really difficult for her uh, and for us as well. She had uh, Japan really difficult for foreigners. She speaks Japanese, but uh, on the phone, many times people said that, could you give phone to a Japanese person? I don't want to talk to foreigner. And uh, like, she is really emotional. And uh, like, you know, when you get this kind of answers and your motivation is really bad, um, so uh, eventually uh, she cannot continue working with us. Uh, I had the same problem with uh, our uh, marketing manager that I hired. Um, so like, all the time, and three, four experience I had like this, uh, the people I hired, I spent so much time, um, wasn't really good fit for the company and it's really frustrating and uh, you lose time. Uh, and money as well. So um, I didn't have really big, big, big problem uh, so far, but uh, in HR parts, I usually had problems. <laughs> Fair enough. It is super tough. Look, Serkan, you know, over the last kind of three, four years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received a lot of recognition for your work. And most notably, this year, you were featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia list. What are three key pieces of advice that you'd give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Yes, uh, in the beginning, maybe uh, in the beginning when I started the company, it was mainly because of financial issues. Um, I'm not sure if it's possible, but if they can do, at least they should have like one year money that no sales, they can survive. This is really important because if you don't have enough money, um, seriously, in after a few months, uh, you can give up. Uh, I didn't give up, but um, I was able to find an additional job. But uh, I really suggest people to have this saving. Uh, so one year minimum, they can uh, survive. And second thing, um, I think finding a trustable partner is a key. You cannot do everything by yourself. For example, I am in Japan and I am not Japanese. If I don't have my Japanese partner now, I cannot do sales networking, do legal financial things, you know, really struggle. Uh, but if you have one trustable person that can uh, work with you next to you, 
this is really uh, helpful and um, I know my limits and I cannot do everything by myself so uh, that's why uh, like delegating jobs to other people not forcing everything to do by yourself but uh, believing in that person and leaving job to that person is also uh, really helpful and uh, plus uh, I think on my case uh, Japan is so expensive uh, in terms of uh, human resource so wherever you are actually you can utilize the global sources this is really helpful especially in my case uh, for right now in Japan we are about five six people but globally we are 30 people so everyone everyone are in different countries like developer is in Turkey designer in France editor in Germany like I don't know it is uh, like doesn't matter where you are right now we are in a global world and you please utilize those uh, global sources and um, that's really helpful and finally I think um, it's really important to be open changing your original idea so uh, in my case, my first idea was that um, in Japan, uh, restaurants, some of the restaurants only open in the evening time. So my idea was that why don't we utilize these restaurants uh, close time and maybe they teach uh, cooking classes to people when they are closed. Uh, uh, it was a really good idea to me. But uh, eventually when I started this business, I went to these restaurants. All of them rejected the main main thing is that they are not free they you think like they are free but actually they are making preparation all day until evening so uh, then i just changed the idea to uh, housewives in their home teaching uh, cooking classes to people not the restaurants but the housewives in their home kitchen uh, they they can teach so um i mean small changes are okay and uh, I think most of the time the original idea and final idea are totally different from each other. So it is always better to be open. I love it, Serkin. Such, such valuable advice. Amazing. So look, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Serkin, for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, and particularly those of us who are building businesses in different countries that we don't speak the language or maybe we're just starting a new job in a country that we don't speak the language or maybe we're just at home and we have a big, big dream, but it seems so, so impossible. You know, I think through your story, you really show us that it is possible with a lot of hard work and persistence. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Amazing. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing something that you're most passionate about? Hmm. So as I mentioned, the main purpose I wanted to do this business is to contribute to society. So uh, I am really uh, thankful that I have this opportunity because so far uh, we were able to donate 300,000 school lunch meals to children in developing countries. And uh, with the, when we start growing, um, this number will increase. And uh, it's really uh, nice seeing uh, people using the product that you created 
and uh, children uh, benefiting uh, from this business and uh, having uh, in, like enough nutrition and studying uh, with the help of this business and seeing this is uh, priceless, I guess. It's priceless. I love it, Circuit. Thank you so much. We've had an absolute blast. Where can we learn more about you and buy food? Um, they can check uh, buyfood.com. And uh, we have a YouTube channel, Japan by Food. Uh, also our social media on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so uh, I really appreciate if they follow us. Amazing. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It's been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst 